appreciate it and uh this is the talk more talk two legs crossover panel this is uh what third year in a row that you know well well kid unfortunately is uh not here. here yeah she couldn't be here family emergency but uh we're still able to uh to be here and uh present uh 1974 we're going to talk about the, you know the best of 1974 what we think are the standout um events title tracks cuts whatever um you, you know we want to hear from you guys as well once we get uh once we get started uh before we do though get started let me introduce uh my talk more talk panel my friends here we got at the end we got ken michaels you know him you love him dj extraordinaire becoming uh, a youtube you. legend now <laughs> <laughs> and then speaking of youtube legends we've got uh, joe mayo mean mr mayo right here and uh, you don't have to clap, and I'm Tom Hunyadi. And, <laughs> and uh, over here is my partner in crime from other show, Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast, and that's Andy Nichols. So last year, we discussed 1973. Um, we had a great time. I think we all kind of agreed that that might have been the, the best year in solo Beatles, and we also got Beatles releases in, in, in that year. Um, but first, before we get to that, Ken, I want to start with you because you, right around this time, right? I mean, you're you're into the collecting. You're you're doing the chart thing, right? You're you're, I mean, you're living this real time. You're collecting at this point in time. You're getting all the music. What mm. um, are your memories of the year 1974? Well, I would have to say that certainly during the Beatles years, I got the Beatles albums. As they came out, maybe not on the day of, it could have right. been a month later, and certainly in the early 70s, it was that way. But around 1973 was definitely a turning point because I would get the music immediately when it right. came out. And I was also a big, avid uh, radio listener and Top 40 listener and listening to Casey Kasem's American Top 40 every single week and writing down the charts every single week and following what all my favorite artists were doing, including the solo Beatles and rooting for the solo Beatles every single week. And 73 and 74 would have to be, well, to me, 73 is the greatest year when you take a look at right. all that the solo Beatles put out. 74 was more a continuation of that and riding high, uh, not totally as successful as 73, but still very significantly right. successful. And you got to look at certainly 1970 through 75 as a very special time in the solo careers of the Beatles. Because for one thing, John was not only alive, but recording music. All four of them were releasing product every single year. So you had so much music coming out in that period. And 74, in terms of success, 
You had Walls and Bridges from John hitting number one. I think it's one of his best albums. You had Ringo with Goodnight Vienna, which went top 10. Still continuing with at least the top 10 album. Ringo and Goodnight Vienna are his two most successful chart albums. You had Dark Horse, which I still love as an album, but it certainly was a dip in terms of popularity from living in the material world to Dark Horse. And even though Paul didn't release an album that year, he had been on the run released in December of 73, so that carried over into 74. And certainly for the first half of 74, you had Jet and Ben on the Run as hits prior to Helen Wheels being a top 10 hit. So, and then you had all the successful singles of 74 as well. So it was really a banner year. A lot of people, a lot of young fans need to know exactly how successful the solo careers of the Beatles were. All you got to do is take a look at the charts from that time period, and it's extraordinary how well they did. And very often it's it's mentioned about Ringo in particular. <sighs> they used to say he was the most successful in the first five years. He was never as successful as Paul McCartney, oh. but, no. <laughs> but for people that don't follow the charts... He did really good. He had seven top tens, two number one singles, both in 1973. But um, 74 was an extraordinary year. And then you had other things as well, like Junior's Farm at the end of the year. Yeah, and you're talking about Paul where maybe he doesn't have as many releases or he doesn't have an album, but he is kind of sprinkled all over with different projects, Mm -hmm. uh, as we'll talk about here in a little bit. And maybe somebody back there can... Uh, knows a thing or two about him. (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. (laughs) I'll just say, too, I think that um, it's an interesting time period because it's at the top of, really at the end of John's biggest commercial success with Walls and Bridges, the number one, as you mentioned. Mm. And that kind of, obviously, he goes into rock and roll, and then he takes his time off. And it's the beginning of Paul really going into the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the end of one era for one Beatle of the two, you know, between John and Paul, and in terms of their you know right. commercial success being the top top, and then Paul kind of saying, <laughs> yeah. "Here I am, right. get out of the way." <laughs> and Joe, um, I believe this was you're just a li- couple years from becoming the big Beatle maniac that you are now. Right. But the bonus right. time, do you remember hearing you know the big hits from oh, from the Beatles oh, on the radio? Oh, sure, I do. I mean, I was I'm going to say a little uh, intro. I was born born in 62 1962 okay and i i was a beatles fan because of the beatles cartoons really what started me off and like it was like you know four or five years old i had some of the records but in around i don't know uh, 69 70 something like that i kind of just forgot about the beatles you know i was like seven years old or something and then 74 was the year that uh, a friend of mine who lived across the street actually had some beatles records i hadn't listened to them since i was a little kid, you know, <laughs> and I'm 12 years old. That's what a little, you know, and uh, it, it all brought it back to me. So that's how I really got started again. I remember these 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 songs from you know these you know Meet the Beatles, the Beatles second album, all these things. I remember these from when I was like you know five, six, seven years old, like that. And uh, then I never really looked back. I think 75, I really started becoming a real diehard Beatle fanatic and collector, which I still am today. But I do want to say, when Ken was talking about, we were all mentioning about Ringo, Ringo's success early on. I think it was even earlier than 74. I always like to talk about a little about the, the John Lennon telegram and you know, in jest that he said, he said to Ringo, congratulations, how dare you? And please write me a hit song. Very good. Which I always love that. So not only... I wanted to ask Ken a question if he remembers this and if you're old enough in the room to remember it. 
I've seen on YouTube, I'm sure you might remember the time, was like Capitol celebrating 10 years of the Beatles from 64 to 74. Yeah. You know, how come you think, why do you think they were kind of like, they were including the Beatles, but also including the solo Beatles at that? I think it's pretty unique that they did that, you know, you know, the, together and apart. I saw it on YouTube a few weeks ago. And just celebrating that 10-year period of 64 to 74. Well, that could be it, the 10th anniversary. Right. They also had success the previous year with the Red and the Blue right. collections. Right, that too. So they could play off of that and all the solo stuff. Yeah. Right. And still, and right, yeah, the Red and the Blue and kind of capitalizing on all that still at the same time. Yeah. So not only yeah. did we get uh, three albums from, from three uh, of the members, mm. we also got for the first time in the U.S. a tour, which mm. Ken Michaels was fortunate enough to, to attend the George Harrison 74 tour. So talk about that for, for a minute. Um, I enjoyed it. I have to say that the only disappointment for me to see George was that I couldn't really hear his voice too much. For all that was said about his voice being hoarse, I didn't really hear it that much in the mix from where I was sitting. I went to see him at the Nassau Coliseum. Um, yeah, I've seen every beat alive except John. And um, the band was a cooking band. Billy Preston was on fire, and you know the hits that he was doing at the time with Willa going around in circles and nothing from nothing. He was dancing around the stage, much like he did during the Ringo tours. Um, And uh, it was a great, it was a great experience. I think a lot of people didn't get into the Indian music. I think they were bored by it from Ravi Shankar. Of course, you had some loyal fans that would pay attention. But um, I thought the band played well, backing up George. I just couldn't hear him that much. Um, and, you know, the whole show was padded between George and Billy Preston and Robbie Shanker and Tom Scott, you know, and uh, there wasn't a lot of George songs. Right. You know, I wish he had done more, but at this point, I'm so grateful that I did go. <laughs> <laughs> so I wish I could say something more positive about the George side of it. I just didn't hear his vocals that much from where I was sitting. Was there anybody here that actually got to go to that? Uh, you did? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Which uh, where where did you see? Do you remember the Coliseum? The Coliseum. Okay. Gotcha. Was wasn't there a famous quote, if I may, uh, from George? Also, he talked about the Indian music, and some people didn't appreciate the Indian music. Mm-hmm. And right. didn't he say, "I I die for Indian music, but not for this." He held up the guitar. With holding up his guitar, meaning yeah, at one point that 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 not the show you went to. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, just. In my life, I love God more. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. George was kind of not in a good period, though, at this point in time, right, Ken? Yeah, well, he was certainly taking drugs at the time. And uh, 74, he was really busy with a lot of different activities. The Splinter album he was working on, which you can mention, uh, Breaking Up with Patty. Yep. Yeah. You know, I think he was doing some other work with Ravi Shankar, maybe a live album. But, you know, there was a lot on his plate, and the whole tour was really rushed. Yeah. And one of the, the worst things about it was that by the time Dark Horse, the album came out, it was already like four or five weeks into the tour. The tour was like halfway done. <laughs> so if anybody had gone to the beginning of the tour and they wanted the album, it wasn't out. Hmm. Mm. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm actually. Uh, so clean footage, too. There's, right? uh, a piece was, um, they just re released a. Um, a Ravi Shankar record, and it was performed at the '74 tour. And if you go to the George Harrison YouTube channel, you yeah. can you can see it there. It looks absolutely amazing. 
yeah. and there was some really good footage in living in the material world right. from there. Yeah. 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 But yes, there was talk when Johnny Harrison got the rights back to Lost mm. Catalog. Well, when he first announced it, he says, "Yeah, we're going to look at those tapes. Yeah. We're yep. going to yeah. pick the best sounding songs from each tour, each each gig right. that we did. Yeah. And try to put something that's." We, we, we've yeah. talked about that before because not only that, then the, him and Olivia, right, they were yeah. interviewed saying that they were going to give us living in the right. material world, they're going to give us Dark, Dark Horse, Horse bits and pieces, or the whole thing of the of the Dark Horse tour. So yeah, I mean, there are quotes out there of them saying this. And that'll come out right after Early Takes Volume 2. <laughs> yeah. A decade later. How long have you been waiting for Volume 2 there? A long time. Yeah. 20, but uh, but the year for music-wise, or for releases, really is is kind of slow. I mean, we got the release of uh, Band on the Run, uh, December 1970. Uh, that really takes off. With, yes, I'm sorry, 73, and uh, that takes off with uh, the release of uh, of Jet and 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 the and Band on the Run. Right, seven for Jet. Right, number yeah. one for for Band on the Run. That the album goes goes number one here in the states three different on three different occasions. Yep. Yeah. But wow. I mean that's it. That's all we're getting. It's McCartney stuff here to be to, to, to start the year as as a fan of, of all four of them. It, it seemed like it was kind of almost like a little bit of a dry spell um, uh, for you. I mean listening to it at real time. But, although you, well, you, you know, still got the music from the previous year. It seemed to be a pattern with the solo Beatles that a lot of albums came out the last quarter of a year. Yeah. Mm. You know, if you look at 73, you have Ringo, you have um, Mind Games, Mind games yeah. and well, Living in the was, was yeah. May. May. Yeah. Um, but there'd always be some albums at the end of the year to carry over right. into the next year. Yeah. And Goodnight Vienna carried over into 75 with hits with yeah. uh, Only You and the No-No song. Yeah, so the success of Band on the Run, I mean, let's talk about that. I mean, like I said, it goes to number one on three different occasions. Uh, Joe, um, you know, are you hearing Jet, Band on the Run? You said the first one, Jet. Yeah. I mean, that's the one I remember as a kid the best. I love That's my favorite song on the album. Mm -hmm. Still, if I'm in the car and Jet comes on, it's one of those songs I don't tire of. There's many of them that I could make a whole, I write a whole book maybe on songs. I'm like, yeah, kind of a little OD'd on that. Mm -hmm. But I love Jet. I think it's a powerful rocker. I still, I still love it. And I remember hearing Band on the Run, the title track, when I was growing up. I was like 12. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, Jet was was big then too, and also stuff from John, which you know right. that was probably a little earlier, like Mind Games and whatever gets you through the night, and right. stuff like that. Well, yeah. I was only one, uh, so I don't have any memories of that time. But as someone who's younger than me, still uh, talk about your first uh, experiences hearing Ben on the Run and, and, and Jet. Um, like first time hearing them, probably. I mean. It's kind of all. I kind of took it all in at the same time. I didn't know what to go to or what not. You know, I, I had the I had the entire discography that my father had, so I could have gone Band on the Run, Ram. I mean, to me, it was like this is all great. Where where do I jump into this story first, and where? But I mean, in terms of the, that material exclusively, did I know early on? I'm like, okay, this is probably his best stuff. I've been able to kind of pick up, okay, this is actually some of the, his best material, even as a young kid when I discovered it. Right. You know, like, okay, this is definitely probably, good. I can tell that this song is much more commercial than, say, Smile Away, right. you know, or Long Haired Lady, which is great now, but listening to it then, I'm like, that's, you know, that's a good song. Even in the 80s as a young kid, I'm like, I could hear, I could dig that, I could dig 1985. Right. Mamonia, sorry. I'm so, I'm so sorry, but I just like that song. I like Mamonia too. He doesn't, but I love I him like anyway. It. <laughs> but yeah, those are those I don't love it. Well, look at the time. Oh, okay, yeah. anyways, so let's go along. Um, 
So, yes, sir. finally, come September, right, we're getting a, a, a John release, Walls of Bridges. Yeah. What do you think? Well, at the time or not? Or no, no, yeah, well, both, well, both. It's one of my favorite albums. And I, anybody who watches my channel knows I'm a, a staunch Yoko defender. Just for, you know, John's sake, especially, you know, how he felt about her and everything like that. Now, having said that, eh, I, liked, I like the idea that in that particular period, he's kind of like on his own, you know, kind of. It feels like on his own, although he's still singing songs. Yeah, you still feel Yoko's presence. You still feel because he's still singing yeah. songs like, you know, uh, pining for Yoko, like bless you and so forth. But I, I just I just like that era when he's doing uh, the Dennis Elsis stint, you know, and he's the, the DJ bringing some records with him to, to to show what stuff that he nicked from and admitted <laughs> to and stuff like that. I, you know, so yeah, I love Walls and Bridges. Uh, it's one of my favorite John albums, and it's I don't know, it just feels more like a closer to a regular just John doing his thing album. Although I probably prefer Plastic Ono Band and Imagine. But you know, I, I I love the. I don't use the word commercial. Mm. You know, number nine dream. You know, that's probably one of the best uh, songs that he ever did, as far as I'm concerned. It's beautiful. And I love stuff like Steel and Glass, mm -hmm. which is really How Do You Sleep Part Two, more or less, kind mm -hmm. of way. Yeah. But I just love the the, the you know the, the nastiness in it. <laughs> I just love the sound of it. The I like. I'm a fan of horns and music. I like that stuff as well and uh it's a favorite track of mine on there i could go through every track but we won't do that for we the time we have but anyways ken I, you've gone to say that mind games right is your favorite yeah Leonard pretty album. much mind games walls and bridges is, is a close second right so yeah. you consider that like maybe the best one-two punch over maybe Plastic Ono Band in Imagine? Well, it's a different way of looking at things. Artistically, Plastic Ono Band is a masterpiece, but mm -hmm. I have to be in the mood to listen to it because yeah, well, it's yeah. so brutally honest and raw, you know. Um, and Imagine, I love a lot. It's just that maybe because of the fact that Mind Games isn't <sighs> overplayed <Right. laughs> like the earlier albums are, and uh, there's hopefully, so hopefully it will be this summer. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's um, right. You know, that so many underrated songs on Mind Games, it's just not, it needs to get a lot more respect right. as an album. I really feel like just about every song, except mainly, may, maybe only people I don't care for, but all the other songs are, are just brilliant. And I haven't tired of them, tired of them partly okay. because I'm not burnt out on them right. from radio airplay. So... Although, you know, if you're talking about radio today, what are you going to hear all that much from Imagine other than the title track, Nothing. unless you're listening to the Beatles channel right. or my radio show. Yeah. yeah. But, um, and Walls and Bridges, I thought was brilliant all the way through, and I, so I think sonically was, was really great. Yeah, really and that's great. what I was going to get to with commercially-wise. I mean, John is the, the last one for with a number one, number one single. And here we are with Walls and Bridges. He finally gets that number one single with maybe the hard, the hottest act of that time, and uh -huh. and, and Elton John. So uh, your first impressions. I mean, you 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 love Mind Games right away. Walls and Bridges is now here. Ken Michaels puts it on the the, the turntable for the first time. You know, how's he feeling about the record? I love it. You know, I loved every single song on Walls and Bridges. I think John Lennon's solo stuff is really powerful. Mm. You know, song for song. He can write great love songs just as much as Paul and George. <laughs> you know, he can write great rockers just like 
Paul right. and George. You know, I just think that um, I love the fact that his stuff was so intimate and personal. And um, he's one of the greatest melodic songwriters, as are George right. and Paul. But, uh, you know, I just think it's a, a really solid album all the way through. Mm -hmm. The only John Lennon album that I ever had a problem with was Sometime in New York City. Right. But I still love most of what John did on there, and I like a lot of what Yoko did. Yeah. But, you know, can I say one more thing? Because yeah. you were talking about radio, airplay, and, and all these hits. An important aspect of what was going on then was as FM radio was developing, they weren't just playing the singles. Right. Yes, Paul McCartney got AM airplay with with his singles, but I vividly remember listening to WPLJ in New York City, which was a rock station, even though they played a lot of really pop stuff like Barry Manilow and stuff right. like that, but they mixed in a lot of album cuts from Wings. And if you listen <clears throat> to that station at the time, you would have heard Bluebird, you would have heard Let Me Roll It, you would have heard 1985. Right. Um, I remember hearing Picasso's last words on the station. So it wasn't like it was just the singles. Right. And when you've got the support of AM and FM combined, right. that helped to make it, you know, such a big selling album. Mm -hmm. And even before that, I remember hearing stuff from Red Rose Speedway, other than my love right. on FM radio. Right. So same thing with Walls and Bridges. I heard Steel and Glass all the time on WPLJ. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I hope they played Scared. <laughs> yeah, I think they did. So I love that track, too. Well, we got to yeah. get to next yeah. year to talk about your favorite uh, Lennon album. Rock and Roll. Rock and Roll. But uh, we're, we're sticking with uh, 74. 74. Yeah. You know, your thoughts on Walls and Bridges. I, it's kind of a tie between that and Mind Games for me. It always has been. Back and forth, Mind Games, Walls and Bridges. I don't, you know, it's it's, it's like picking a favorite kid. How do you do that? Right. Um, clearly, John is in a lighter mood. He's out in L.A. He's, I thought well, the album was finished in New York, right? Ken? Right. Yes. Right. It was finished in right. record plant. It was finished in record plant. So all the material that you see from that period, you know, as Joe just said, the end of the Elsa's interview, all the interviews and the promotional stuff he did, he's happy, content, and you know, he's you can you hear that in the music on Walls and Bridges. Right. Aside from the tracks like Scared and you know, there's some deeper stuff on What You Got. What you got. Right. Yeah. But it's good. I mean it's like what I can't stand, I mean this John always did this, is he would he would later dismiss it. Ah, it wasn't really that like obviously towards the end he would just say, you know, it wasn't that good. And here we are, four of us saying, I don't know how great it is. You know, and John was just like towards the end of his life, he's like, nah, not that good. <laughs> but you know, Andy, an artist is his own worst critic. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. But I, yeah, I've, I've I've always enjoyed Walls and Bridges. I don't tire of it, like Ken said. Yeah. Didn't hear anything. I didn't hear. I grew up listening to CBS FM one hundred point one, later Q one hundred four point three because one hundred two seven it kind of phased out by that point. So I didn't. You know, I heard these out tracks because I listened to the album pure and simple and enjoy them that way okay. and then just work them into my rotation and no fatigue factor on any of that material cool anybody yeah. in the audience have any thoughts on the walls and bridges hey, huh? okay you uh, I, I just um, I, I've just I've gotten the Beatles to the Beatles channel in 2019 and I, I just heard the streaming with music basically just, I just basically play random songs right Wow. They're very melodic. They're like the melodic. 
Right. Um, and there was lots of great love songs and stuff. And, and, and whatever. I um, I was kind of, it's, it's like one of my most recent, like, Do you remember the song it was? Uh, I believe it was, well, I always like whatever gets approved, but it wasn't right. that one. Um, okay. Bless you. Bless you. If it if it was melodic, maybe bless you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I thought I was thinking yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good track. Yeah. Go ahead. It was really funny how when both that album came out and Good Night Vienna came out, how John and Ringo was cross commercial cross promotion. Yeah. 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 It's it's nice. To John's record. Yeah. John would say, yeah. To Ringo's record. And that's yeah. We'll get to Ringo here in a Ooh, second. Question. Yeah. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Question. Yep. <laughs> cool. Um, so we moved to October, and um, we haven't heard from Paul in a little while. Um, it's been a couple months, and uh, we finally get something new from him, and I think it's probably the greatest rocker he's ever done. Mm -hmm. And um, Joe, uh, Junior's Farm. Wow. It's hard to, to say. I don't want to commit to that, but I'm close with you. Yeah. I love Junior's Farm, something, and I love that it's a single, just a, yeah. a, a single with that great B-side, Sally G, which I'm sure you know, we'll talk a little about, the Paul doing country. I love it. Great uh, the double uh, hit in my book. Didn't, didn't Sally G do something on yeah, the Yeah, it was the a double-sided single. Yeah. They're in the back. The They'll know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I forget. I got a little intimidated with it. <laughs> <laughs> got a great book back there. <laughs> I don't want to make any mistakes. No, let's see. <laughs> but uh, no, I just I love it, boy. And and Jimmy McCullough, boy, uh, right? The guitar on that, what how talent he had. I love him in in that in that group. Yeah, All right. Ken. I think Junior's Farm is definitely one of the best rockers that Paul's done, and it could be my favorite McCartney single. Right. You know, I never get tired of hearing it. It's such a cool rocker. Like you said, Jimmy's guitar solo, I love the way it ends, with right. Paul taking a breath. Yeah. <laughs> and I like it, the full version, Paul, not the one that's not edited when you do it Not the edit. What about, so let's talk about a, a couple of the lyrics. <laughs> you know, oh, you're listening to a, you know, you know, they're all chipped in for a bag of cement, or, you know, talking to an Eskimo, uh -huh. you know, just the, the craziness. I mean, did you, I mean, you know, John Lennon was known for, you know, just putting words together. And you know, sticking, you know, yeah. seeing what I mean. Rick, I, I mean, Paul is kind of a little bit doing this in this sense, don't you think? Yeah. Well, sometimes he puts in what some people might consider dummy lyrics right. that just yeah. fit the melody, right? Uh, in terms of like syllables, what fits and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he does that sometimes. There's sometimes when he does stream of consciousness lyrics, hmm. like <laughs> talk more <laughs> talk. Yeah. Oh, so it's it's, it's um, a good show, but I don't. <laughs> about the song Which, in a way i mean think of i'm the walrus being right stream of consciousness it's the yeah. same kind of idea right. same approach andy can't stand it hate it worst song ever no i'm kidding <laughs> yeah. no uh, no I'm, I'm really happy when it came back into the live set oh how many yeah, years ago yeah, now yeah. Five? uh it's probably Team. about five yeah like again the, the edited version but yeah, finally okay a wing song on the set list all right you know 
bravo for the solo fans. But Junior Storm, always a classic. Hoping maybe we'll get a 12-inch kind of single release this year. 50th anniversary. 50th anniversary, record store day thing, maybe. maybe. Fingers crossed. Yeah. But I want to say, you know, with the lyrics, though, you know, I oh, find... Yeah, sometimes... I don't care. It sounds I'm good. Gonna say what, that's yeah. what I'm saying. When I, when I, like, you know, you can criticize lyrics. Even if he didn't, you know. When, when I'm enjoying, like, a, a good rock song, like Bebopalula or something like that, or, you know, uh, you know, uh, what is the other one? I'm, geez, I'm drawing a blank here because I'm on the panel. I remember, you know, Tootie Fruity, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I don't care what the hell he's singing, you know? No. I, I, and sometimes it's more fun that way. But other times, I'll find myself criticizing lyrics. Right. It's funny yeah. how it goes. How does it not uh, work? Paul songs, too, mostly, right? Uh, well, yeah. Mostly Paul songs. Uh-huh. Lyrics, you know. If it's not working for me, I guess, you know, it's not working. <laughs> Haven't we all sung along to songs that don't make sense? Yeah, oh, yes. Sure, sure. Bully, bully. Yeah, well, there's Sam a, the well, I don't know. L7, there's a Paul yeah. connection. Yeah, maybe, that, maybe that means something. I don't know. <laughs> But uh, that was the top ten. Was that number three? Uh, three. Yeah, number three here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was in top twenty in the uh, in the U.K. I'm not percent sure. I uh, don't remember. You know, top twenty. But anyways, um, let's move on to Ringo because after the follow up of his most successful at that point in time album, the the Ringo album, he follows mm. it up with the same same producer Richard mm. Perry, same formula, right? Bringing in uh, bringing in his friends to. Uh, Give him songs, although I think it was just John that uh, uh, contributed. Of the Beatles. Yeah, of the Beatles, yeah. yeah. But we got Harry Nelson there, you know, other... Con- other Elton uh, John. Elton John, yep. Yeah. One of the best songs on the album, I yeah. think. Um, Wish he'd but, do it live. Yeah, but good follow-up, <laughs> yes or no, to, good, good follow-up to, uh, to Ringo. I think you, you've kind of said that it's, it's a good follow-up, but not necessarily as as strong as as the Ringo album. Oh, it's definitely not as strong as the Ringo album, but um, there are plenty of solo albums that Ringo's done after Goodnight Vienna that are far superior to Goodnight Vienna. But, um, you know, you've got John, who who not only plays on Only You, but suggested that Ringo covered it, and it turned out to be the top ten hit, number six. You got the No-No song on there that that went to number three. Um, there's a great track which I've always loved, Ooh Wee, right. which has Dr. John on it, and he does this great piano solo in there. Mm-hmm. Snookaroo is it's a oh. dynamite song. It's that, an electric yeah. song. I don't know why he's never done it live. And I remember one time. I mean, it was re- the fairly recent years where he was playing. I think it was on October 31st. I seem to remember. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see him that time. I usually did. And I thought it's Halloween. You, you think he would talk about being born on the eve of Halloween? <laughs> Ringo, do Snookaroo live. Right? That's my yeah. number one pick that I'd like to see him do live. I don't know if he remembers it. Was it in? Oh uh, wow! Yeah, yeah, I've got that. Yeah, it was a B side here. I'm no, A side. It was in, in was uh, France. What, what was Ooh Wee the C side to? Um, Goodnight Vienna. Goodnight Vienna. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Andy, I think it's um the neck and neck. I mean, obviously, the Ringo album is probably the, one of the best solo albums of all time. I mean, the best possible follow-up that he could do. It's nearly as good. It's just a, it fails a little bit. But, I mean, Goodnight Vienna is one of the best openers. That's John's version or Ringo's. True. Just yeah. It's cooking. I might argue that uh, Roto... I can't say that word right. Roto Gravure. Thank you. <laughs> is a little bit... Is better than than uh, Goodnight Vienna. Really? But, it's, yeah, I do. I think I think it is. I like opinions like that. <laughs> okay. It yeah. makes it interesting. <laughs> yeah. I want somebody to like Sometime in New York City a little bit. Anybody a little bit like Sometime in New York City? Yes. Uh, okay. On St. Patrick's Day for Lucky Irish. That's other than that. That's it. Thoughts on New York uh, City? Good night, Vienna. In the crowd. Thoughts on Good night, Vienna? Yeah. Go ahead. It's one of the first three albums I bought for my own money when I 
So you got sentimental, oh, that's great. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah. You just, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. You know, I, yeah, I, I would have, I, I've bought, right, I've bought like something that's not considered the best, you know, with the, with the crowd. And because it's like, I have a, like a memory, like I bought it with my own money. So to me, it's great, you know, because right. that's like, I, you know, I bought it with my own money when I was a kid and, and I loved it. I don't care what all you guys think, you know, about I it. I just saw a couple of weeks ago for the first time the clip of the Smothers Brothers and singing with Ringo. Oh, oh that's no, no song. The Nara song. Yeah, that's right. I never saw that until just a couple of weeks ago. That was classic. Then he gets arrested or something. Right. Right. Yeah. Arrest him. Yeah. Come and take him away. Shave his head. The last single from Good Night Piano was actually the title track. Right. Mm. And I'm just bringing you back to some uh, time period. Um, no internet. Okay. So buying music on the internet, forget it. That right. wasn't going to happen. My brother was seven years older than I was. And he got hip to going down to the village. Okay. And go to the village and buy the most incredible Beatles stuff I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. you know, from all different countries. And one day we were shopping. And I think we went into a store called Golden Disc at that time. And the guy, the owner, Bob, comes over, hey, I just came in. And he hands it to me and my brother, and it's Good Night Vienna, and take this with you. And we got so excited. Right. Like, it was a time when you bought records that mm. you got excited. Right. And yeah. it's just, it's, it's a memory thing. It's and then on top of that, it's just like there wasn't a lot of picture sleeves released. Right. You know, in the U.S. or the U.K. Right. You know, until until years later. Yeah, so I just, I just, from yeah. that album, I just yeah. remember that right that particular moment. Yeah, know, no, it's right. a great moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I yeah, just uh, quick. I was happy when they released all of the uh, Apple records. Oh yes, like, only you. On the, yeah, yeah, on the Ringo Starr. Uh, right. Like I said, it's on CD and DVD package. Right. Mm. You know, they're just fantastic to see that stuff. I got to see. So right. Very oh, on the photograph compilation, right? Yeah. So, moving to uh, December, and hot off the heels of the shirt that uh, <laughs> Ken Michaels is wearing. The follow-up album yeah, to this album. <laughs> right. The follow-up album to that album that some might not consider is, is as good. But Dark Horse released December 9th of, of 74, and uh, a month after the tour. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, George is out there promoting the album. So you think, okay, a month out, you know, he's getting he's getting the word out on the new album that maybe it would do better. Unfortunately, it doesn't. Uh, album and single uh, doesn't do as bad or doesn't do as good. Mm. But, I mean, you notice, you know, you, you notice on the single Dark Horse, it's a little rough patch there. A little, it's a Dark Horse, uh, you know, and... Um, you know something? When that album came out, my thought was not, gee, his voice is so hoarse. Mm. I got so used to it the way that it was. Okay. And so, you know, I understand now why people say it, and I understand when you listen to bootlegs of the concerts that, yes, his voice was hoarse. There were times when his voice was good. Right. Um, but I really got used to the songs the way they were. Um, and just in terms of the songs themselves mm -hmm. and listening to WPLJ, where right. they would play So Sad. Right. And they played Maya Love. Great track. Which, uh, yeah, which, which George did on the tour, too. Um, and I love Dark Horse itself as a song. It was a really cool way of, play, of an intro there on the acoustic guitar and building it around that. It was very unique to me. Mm -hmm. I have always loved George's religious stuff and spiritual stuff. I love A to C, Jay Shri Krishna. Yeah. 
I, you know, I like stuff like that. That's like a mantra. It's like another of my sweet Lord. Right. You know, so, um, you know, Ding Dong Ding Dong, which I know is a favorite of yours, is probably my least favorite on the album. <laughs> but, uh, and Harry's on tour is a killer opening great, track. Great opening yeah. track. You know, and I, I understand, you know, it's a perfect thing to do live. They're on tour as well, right? Yes. Yeah, they opened the, yeah. the, yep. the show with that, right? But um, now I lost my train of thought. Of course. <laughs> but it, it was still a really good album. Right. I still look at Living in the Material World. It's my favorite album from any artist. Right. Even surpassing the Beatles right. to me because I love the spiritual stuff. Right. So, you know, but Dark Horse, everybody has their favorites. I like most of the songs that are on there. I still think it was a solid effort. Yeah. He let it kind of let us into his life a little bit here with the songs like uh, Bye Bye Love. Yeah. A little bit. Even Simply Sadie. Yep. You know, uh, I mean, you might not have known it then. You might yeah. have learned it later that, that you know, he's singing a little bit about himself um, with that. But um, all in all, maybe not as even. Um, you know, there's a little less um, spiritual stuff on that album. Uh, than there was with um, with living in the material world. I mean, there was a lot of criticism with living in the material rights. People thought it was, as they say, too preachy. Yeah, you know. But you still uh, had it down a little bit. You still had it as he. You had Far East Man. You had right. Maya Love. Yeah. You, know, you had some spiritual stuff in there too. Right. Yeah. Joe? Yeah, well, I, I didn't hear it when it first came out. That was one of the albums that I filled in the holes to later as I was getting all the solo albums. And when I first heard it, you know, first thing I heard was, boy, his, his voice is hoarse. <laughs> I was thinking, we're complete opposite. No, I just play with it. No, but, uh, but now the funny thing is, I've come to prefer it. Like the, the title track, Dark Horse, that mm. way. It's grown on me. I, I love this song to begin with. And I'll take any version I can get. Sometimes I hear the clean one, you know, and I, and I say, and I like it with that little bit of roughness in there now. But I, I understand what was going on. I love Simply Shady. Yeah. I mean, that's my favorite, probably my favorite song on the album is Simply Shady. Uh, Harry's on tour, the instrumental I like. Uh, it's, I don't think it's one of his, um, his, his best albums. I think it's middle, middle tier at this point. You know, it changes for me. Right now, I put it above extra texture, right. you know, personally. But there's a couple of other tracks I like on it, but not the whole thing consistently do I, right. do I love. Is this an album that uh, you appreciated first time, or does, no. did it build? Did it have to build uh, for for you on this album, or did you like it pretty much like it right away? Didn't like it right away. Yeah. It, this one took a while to grow on me in the last, I'd say, five, ten years. I used to be, I just used to hear the voice and be like, right. nope, not listening to this. Right. Um, but then I, I, I kind of got older and listened to it, learned a little bit more about his music and listened to the whole album. I, I've actually enjoyed it a lot more now. I don't, right. I'm going to rank it probably below All Things Must Pass, obviously, and, and the material world. Uh, but I'd put it maybe third or fourth, maybe. Yeah. Um, Harris on Tour Express, I did, that was, I did not know that song like five years ago. So I was like, wow, this is a great, great opening track. Right. Tom Scott and the LA Express on that track. I mean, just killing it. Um, and the video for Ding Dong is just, I mean, George taking the piss out of himself yeah. wearing the uniforms again and yeah. embracing the Beatles stuff, which he did later on again with when we was fab. So it's, you know, it, it's good. That was cool to see in that video. Um, but in terms of the other stuff that's on there, I mean, I actually prefer the live version of, of Dark Horse from yeah. Japan really? better than the studio one. How about Bye Bye Love? Uh, the cover song, yeah. It's, an, it's one that's grown on me, and I like it more, but I'd, I'd probably just cherry-pick yeah. the best of it yeah. now. Yeah, you know, as, as someone who's a little younger, you know, and relying on other people to suggest, uh, you know, 
um, rather for me just going and buy them, I would ask, hey, you know, what 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 should I get next? You know, which people would always say, do not get te- dark horse or extra yeah. texture. Yes. You know? Hello. And, yeah. And foolishly, I would. Uh, you know, say, okay, I'll, I'll get those later on. And I finally eventually did get them. And I'm just like, why did I take, you know, cause I do generally enjoy, you know, though, you know, especially dark horse. I, I do generally enjoy it, hmm. but I'm just like, well, why did I listen to these people? Because I, I you know nowadays, you know, I want to hear it myself before I even listen to anybody's point of view, you know, on anything. Sure. But, uh, but like I said, then, you know, he's, he's touring for this album. He's promoting it. What does the album end up doing on the charts? Four. Number four. Yeah. The single Dark Horse itself. 15, I think. Yeah. 16 or 15. So, yeah. unfortunately, the success of Living in the, Material, in the Material World, having the number one album and the, number, and the song uh, number one at the same time, you know that that's pretty amazing, but then unfortunately, um, this is like George's popularity just starts to slowly mm. on, get on the decline, right, Ken? Uh, yes, yeah. I really do think, and we talked about this that um, there really should have been a follow-up single to yeah. "Give Me Love," right? So you would have had another hit. I think you know, "Don't Let Me Wait Too Long," right? So just so the momentum wouldn't right. would would continue. Right. Now, now that, that was it for, okay, go ahead. George has one more album. I don't care right now. Yeah, that was, uh, for me, not, not one of his best uh, B-sides. Yeah, not, not as good as Miss Odell, for sure. No. You know, but um, but there's also stuff that, that they've worked on during that year as well that's just that wasn't solo projects, right? They're, you know, McCartney, for instance, even though we only got really the single new thing because, you know, as we said, Man on the Run was released in December of 73, you know, he's also giving singles or songs away for, for other artists. You know, we're looking at the song Fourth of July, uh, which which you can hear his demo on the on the Venus and Mars uh, archive edition. He was that to John Christie, what Dave Clark, I think, was uh, was that the was his protege, yeah, and his he produced protege. it. Right. You're looking at uh, the Rod Stewart song "Mine for Me," which uh, you, you learn from uh, the McCartney Legacy uh, uh, book, and you know. Rod Stewart, or what Paul said, oh, I'll write, even write a song for uh, Rod Stewart, and then uh, Rod said, okay, well, go ahead and give me one, and it was on mine for me, and then I think that ended up going to 93, I think it was. Something, something like, that. like that. He actually, he and Linda appeared on the Midnight Special right. with yeah. uh, Rod, Stewart Rod Stewart and sang part, part of it. that song. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was 74 or well, that's yep. what I was just going to get, Peggy Lee. See, that's why it's kind of confusing with that archive release because you got all of these stuff that was released. You know, you got Fourth of July, you got Let's Love on that archive. On that archive release was when it was actually should probably should have been maybe on the Band on the Run um, release because it was released closer to to uh, you know December '73 than it was in '75. You know, so yeah, so Peggy Lee, Let's Love, even though that's not the single, it is the name, of, it is the title track. Now, what year the Country Hams? The Country Hams, that, that was 74 as well, wasn't it? That was 74. Yeah. That was when he yeah. recorded. That's, an, yep. And what about Susie and the Red Stripes? Well, Susie and the Red Stripes, was 77. That's when it was yeah, released. Yeah. That was released. Released. Yeah, but he was doing that, but they were, I'm sorry, they were doing that as early as 72. Uh, question there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that was going to be my next. <laughs> you jump in the gun there. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> because we'll get to it. Yeah. Even though he did not release an album in '74, we did get probably what is considered the Lost Wings album, which is which is McGear, which as we know is from Mike McCartney, and uh, and I personally 
hated that album the first time I me, uh, heard me it. Me too, and then I liked yeah. it after. Yeah, hmm. gave it another chance, and uh, I think it's quite an amazing record, especially the, the lead-off single, Leave It, which I think was... Yeah. You know, written by Paul as well. Like um, Ong's album. Yeah, it is yeah, like it is. They were on every track. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And I think they, I think Paul wrote or co-wrote every track except for one. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. um. Yeah, yes. Roxy music yep. song. Yep. There you go. So um, and then George is busy as well, right? With his getting his Dark Horse label. You know, not only is he touring and putting out albums, but he's also now doing a, a, a record label, trying to get that off the ground. Yep. And uh, working with a band called Splinter. Yeah, you know, there's a parallel there between yeah. McGear and Splinter because right. it's like McGear is a lost McCartney album right. and Splinter's is like a lost Harrison, Harrison album. album yeah. If you listen to Splinter, it sure sounds production wise, melodically, mm -hmm. like songs that George could have written only by this band. And it's all George's friends on there. And it's yeah, one of the songs John, John played on, on Dennis's show on that day. He played the George Harrison Splinter track. And remember, he talks about, you know, there's Splinter produced by George. So yeah. you have that kind of crossover. You know, John promoting Splinter. We should just mention that interview because, I mean, <laughs> The cards were, <laughs> the stars were aligned for that interview because when John was on Dennis Elsus, he could promote Ringo's album, Splinter. Um, what else was it? The Mahavishnu Orchestra yep. that George Martin produced. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. You know, it's like George all these Martin. things fell into place so he could bounce off of it. Mm. Right. You know, on the air, it was amazing. Andy, let's, uh, let's 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 pick. I mean, if you were to make an album hey, yeah. with these uh, with these uh, with <laughs> these tracks, like I mean, what's what's your ideal album with uh, or or best of best of '74? I mean, yeah. Band on the Run, Jet, and I'd even throw uh, some of the Pussycats but, but, on there. But but are you hmm. including that as as '74, or shouldn't we say that's really '73? Yeah, I, I suppose because that's when it came out. But I mean, yeah, whatever gets you through the night, all the big stuff, Dark Horse, Good Night Vienna, right. I mean, there's enough to throw an album out of Best of 74 without an album from Paul. I mean, we'll put Junior well, Farm and Sally G on it. Right, yeah, <laughs> put yeah, them yeah. on it, you know. Right. Um, yeah, I would put. I would take the Best of John, Ringo, and and George, and you'd have a, you'd have a solid you've Best of. You've got a good 13, 14 track. Album. Without a lot from Paul, you know, if you're not sure you're going to pinch some stuff from McGear and put that on there, too. That's why I would, I'd put Leave It on there. Uh, you, could, sure. you could do that. You could. Ben, some of the best, uh, your best favorite tracks from 74? Uh, let's see. From John, definitely whatever gets you through the night. Number nine, dreams, scared, stealing glass, nobody loves you when you're down and out. Ringo, title track to Goodnight Vienna, the full single version. Right. Because <laughs> they combine the, the opening track with the reprise at the end for the single. Uh, Ooh Wee, Snookeroo, um, Only You. I actually like Easier For Me, which is the Harry Nilsson song that's on there. It's one of those great ballady songs with strings, kind of like Goodnight was. Mm -hmm. um, Paul, you got to put Junior's Farm and Sally G. Dark Horse, Harry's on tour. Yeah. I really do love Simply Shady. Simply yeah. Shady, So Sad, so Maya sad. Love, A to C, J. Shri Krishna, and Dark Horse. Mm. So I probably have 20 songs. <laughs> you got a double LP there, my friend. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I, I, I mean, ditto is all I could say, but I would right. take off a few weekends, but, you yeah. know, see would, would go off right. and some I, other ones. I think my, 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 opinion. Yeah. My, my 74 LP, I think, would be It's All Good. It's All Down to Good Night Vienna, Snookaroo, No No Song, Only You. Then I go to Number Nine Dream, Whatever Gets You Through Tonight, uh, What You Got. Uh, then I go Simply Shady, Dark Horse, Ding Dong, Ding Dong, Far East Man. 
and then obviously uh, Genius Farm and Sally G. And then if I have a couple minutes left over, I'm going to throw Leave It on there, uh, just because <laughs> Paul McCartney is all over that track. But uh, anybody in the, gr in, the, in the crowd have favorites, favorite tracks from 74 they want to mention? Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. Um, I, I know that Didn't I say that? Already, um, but I really love the way that he goes with like addiction and things like that, and, and just how he portrays that. So I really love that. Song. Right. Yeah. The terrain on the parade, though. The irony is, he he wasn't at that time. No. <laughs> not for many many years. But yeah. at the end, that's the mock ending. He's kind of like you hear him mumbling at the end. I was having another drink <laughs> at the end of it. But then after that, he certainly. I love when he sang it in concert later on. When he, yes. you know, after yeah. he got sober in 1988, then he started doing the All Star Band shows in '89. It Let's, was a, a staple that he always put in, and it was had all that conviction because it it, it it fit hmm. so well. What he what he'd overcome. Well, I think he stopped doing that. That's, yeah, I think he I, stopped yes, doing it for a long, long time. Yeah. Right. I was going to say, let's not also forget non-musical related for '74. That's the year that the Beatles are legally finally dissolved. Not oh, not till the, not till later, not till later. We know, but John signed the John signed it in Disneyland. We know that's what's been said. Okay. Right. So sad was playing at the Wonder Bridge. She was probably about to go down to New York and they stopped meeting with me. And she was mm -hmm. kind of kicking kick the moment. Right. And just feeling. So I think that's been kind of a standard of that. Oh, yeah. I like Far East, man, too. I think yeah. I heard that mentioned here. I mm -hmm. like that. Jump. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, oh, wait. Jump? Go ahead. I think um, Dark Horse is the best of 74 for me. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. jumping on point, right? Because that's the album where the, the, the fans and the yeah. critics finally both agreed. You know, well, I mean, critics now, you know, we can look back on that and laugh. Um, but uh, I think that was probably a really great jumping jumping on point for, for teenagers uh, at that at that time. Can I yeah. Yeah. Right. And having heard all the archive versions of the Beatles yeah well <laughs> i mean listen 
uh, what what Lennon's doing on his on his um, on his box sets. I would kind of like something more like that. I would love to hear like isolated vocals on a, on a Paul McCartney archive. I would have loved to have heard a silly love song isolated vocals yes. track. Hmm. You know, with just like the three part harmony. Just give me that. You know, as a track, that would have been amazing. But but yeah, I mean, obviously, there's more there. Whether or not they can find it, or Paul has it under lock and key and doesn't want us to hear it, um, because you know he had to show them, you know, that he was going to make a great album, you know. <laughs> so you know whether or not he wants us to hear hear it or not, that's a different story. But uh, well, one more second before I get to okay, Kyle, go ahead. So I I imagine, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like by 1974, like the public might be thinking like, so the Beatles have been broken up for like five years. That's like an eternity. You know? Right. Like they already had like their big number one album. Right, but all you have to do is just look at the chart success, right? Yeah. I mean, they're still having number ones, right? Yep. John's having a number one uh, with whatever gets you through the night. And like Andy was saying, this was the start of really Paul taking off. Right. Right. I mean, after Ben on the Run. Yeah. And then and Speedway did very well, too. Right. Certainly did. And Kyle, but um, remember, Red and Blue albums come out in 73. Yeah. So that kind of, that first wave of Beatle kind of nostalgia is coming back. So they're in the public consciousness yeah. still right. with the Red and Blues coming out in 73 anyway. Right. Even though it was for, to, you know, offsuit you know, a bootleg that was out on the market. <laughs> but, you know, I always say that the success of the Red and the Blue Help the solo Beatles. Right. The success of the solo Beatles helped the Red and the Blue. True. All right, let's get two so, more in. We're going to go yeah. right here. Uh, one of my favorite tracks from 74 with you and asking is actually going down all low. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I was yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah. I hope that's all. It's like always need the open up Right. Mm. I always got into that track. Got to go down. But, um, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that was kind of weird, too, because, you know, Walls and Bridges is, right? I mean, the, the, is that the first LP of John's where he's get where he got two singles? Because uh, Plastic yeah. had, had Mother. Imagine. That's had, true. Just imagine. Imagine. You know, yeah. Um, Sometime in New York City, City just yeah. had yeah, yeah, Women as the right. end yeah. of the world. Right. Uh, Mind Games was from Mind Games. That was it. Yeah. There should have been a second single from Mind yeah, Games. Yeah, absolutely. you're right. Tim? I guess for Ken and Joe, since they do it just in real time, but when you heard John came out with Elton John at Madison Square Garden mm. and sung A Soldier Standing There with the other song, what was your reaction at the time to that? Because that must have been mind blowing at the time. A Soldier Standing There, I think it was like, do you remember hearing that? I assume not you yeah, I remember hearing it, and if anything, I was upset that I wasn't there. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I know. I think there's a little bit of there's footage, but it's all blurry. And yeah. there's photographs. Yeah, that's just like, same thing as the Beatles and Elvis meeting. I mean, it's know? blurry now until you know Peter Jackson gets over it, right? <laughs> yeah, and I actually, for me, I mean, I actually like I was. I was saying earlier, I don't know if I was making it clear. I mean, I was getting interested in the Beatles again in 74, but I really wasn't following their solo careers. I mean, if I liked the single, I'd buy the single, you know, or something like that. You know, I, I, I bought Photograph on a 45, things like that. But I don't really remember, like, hearing about the, El, uh, you know, uh, the Elton John connection. I don't know why. 
at that age of 12 years old. I don't, I don't really remember the dark, like the dark horse tour. By the time you get into 76 is when I'm starting to really live it in more like real time kind of thing for me. I mean, right. I, you know, but I, although I remember so many singles from like 70 with 70, 71, I remember like, it, you know, it don't come easy and uncle Albert, mm-hmm. certain ones hit you cause they were such good commercial top 40 songs. Right. And speaking of Elton John, we should also talk about, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Right, number one hit for Elton John. Came out in November of 74, hit number one in January of 75. Okay. So, and John played guitar on it. Dr. Winston O'Reggae. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and this is a time where you had to have, you, you, I mean, if you were signed to another label, you, you pretty much couldn't play on someone else's record if they were on another label, right? You had to hide your identity yeah. or whatnot. That might have changed by, by then, I'm not sure. Mm. Okay. But, uh, yeah, you can't deny. It. Well, everything Elton John did back then, you know, he he had the Midas touch right. at that moment. I was really glad. I loved Elton John in that mm-hmm. time period. I was so glad that he and John worked together, and Elton worked with Ringo. Right. You know, and then I, uh, and they, that, don't you think they sounded great on whatever gets you yeah. through the yeah. through the night? Well, I like now that they uh, give me some truth. They have John more elevated on uh, on more present on the vocal, even though. I'm a huge Elton John fan of the, right. the '70s stuff, anyway. Right, Scott, you got a question? One hand yeah, clapping. One hand clapping. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I mean, did we even get to see that in, no. in here in the states? Well, that was leg. more of a UK thing, right? So, no. so for us, we wouldn't have, you know, done that. But, but then speaking of UK, though, John, John also works with Bowie. Um, That's not until February of '75. '75. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Gotcha. Okay. Anybody else got? Yeah, go ahead. Wasn't um, I saw us getting to the flip side or B side of Philadelphia Freedom? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And they've released singles with all three songs on them. Okay. Right. Which, for a while, they were saying that John played on it. But we confirmed on on Talk More Talk with Chip Mattinger and and Scott Raley that John never played on it. Right. Yep. Anyone else? Oh, in yep. the back. Yep. I think Simply Shady and So Sad are probably like the top five George Harrison songs. Oh, wow. Wow. The lyrics are amazing. They're right. very complex. There are lots of levels to them. Um, I hope that when there's ever a box set of the album, right. I hope there are demos where George's voice is better. So like the Dark Horse demo. Right. Um, that would be amazing to hear demos. Yeah. So. Somebody brought the juice and I clung on to a straw, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. yeah. I got one more contribution yeah. to 74. Bring it on. Okay. Um, George Harrison with Robbie Shanker. I am missing you from the Shanker family and friends album. Hmm. That's when I was saying Ravi Shankar, the, the one that George produced. Right. Yeah. That's a so great that single, too. The, that was for the Dark Horse uh, Records, right? Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. First album. Yeah. Uh, don't remember the order, but yeah. Okay. Oh, definitely. I love the arrangements of a lot of the stuff that he did, especially adding flutes to his music, and that was that was with the Ravi Shankar stuff. You know, it is he, Jay Sri Krishna has flutes in it and everything, so really worked for that kind of music. Well, no one's kicking us out yet, so. <laughs> well, no, we'll do that next year. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Right. You could also say, right. even yes. though John wasn't on it, that Johnny Winter's Rock and Roll People okay. came out in the U.S. John wrote the song. It was on Johnny Winter's John Dawson Winter the Third album. It was released later in the U.K. Okay. the following year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. All right. I think that's going to wrap this up. We didn't talk too much about Pussycats, though. Pussycat. I know that, no, that Andy we, mentioned we, it. I mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, we mentioned it. So, yeah. But it is out there. That That's another project that uh, John did um, that wasn't his own. That was, um, that was well, yeah, yeah he killed his voice. Shot, right, Harry's, right. George's, Harry's, that was it for Harry after that. Oh yeah. All right, Scott, go ahead. Far East man, Ronnie Wood, you know. His version came out first. Right. Yeah, there you go. All right, cool. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. This has been a Talk More Talk Two Legs 1974 discussion. And, uh, Queen, we're thinking of you. And, yeah. um, miss, miss you, Queen. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>